on. Let's stand, please. Get a songbook and turn to page 622. 622, we'll go around, shake hands, and welcome each other to the service. Brother truth. Amen. We go through difficult times for God's purposes, and in those times we can get to know God in a very intimate, personal way, grow in times like we'd never grow otherwise. So it's hard, but the Lord's always present. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So whatever you're going through, have gone through, uh, you will know the presence of the Lord in your life. There will be times where you'll wonder where he's at. Uh, but he's always there, and he's always has a purpose in all that he does. Never forget that. Turn your Bible, if you would, to Psalm chapter 12, and then also 
Psalm 119. Obviously, the church is aware, uh, being announced and then preached on last week, that we have a new theme for the year. We've had a Bible theme before some years back, but uh, Pastor Williams and I were discussing what would be good for our church in the coming year and came up with the theme of the worth of the word. And of course, he preached on that last week, the reading of it, the remembering and the relying upon it. And uh, he did a great job. I appreciate Pastor Williams' ministry. I started out at the beginning of the month of how to keep God's word. That was my first sermon. And because of the theme, I wanted to do one more sermon in the month of January. And I want to say Parkview is a strong Bible-believing church. And I say it this way. That's because we take a stand upon the Bible, the King James Bible, for us, the English-speaking people. And I've seen many churches that have uh, gone away from that stand, and it changes everything about their ministry. And in my uh, years here, and I don't intend anytime soon to depart, unless the Lord has a different plan, uh, we want to go in that same vein. But, you know, we can be Bible-believing Christians but not read our Bibles. We can be Bible-believing Christians and not study to show ourselves approved. So I know most of the stuff I'm going to give you today is something you say, well, I've heard this before. That's okay. The scripture says we need to repeat. And, uh, but there are a number of people that come into our church ministry through the years that uh, maybe they never heard a stand on why we hold true to the Bible uh, as we do. And so I felt the Lord was leading me to preach a few messages on this theme. And of course, today we're going to have this thought on uh, you can trust your Bible. Now, about 16 years ago, I preached similar thoughts, but you know, again, you have to uh, let the church know, hey, we're not changing in this area. And the key area of the, of the church is where it stands upon the Word of God. And so with this January focus, I want to go into this thought today of you can trust your Bible. So don't go to sleep on me. Don't say, I heard it all before. There are people here that may have never heard it in this fashion, and then some need to hear it again. And as a church, we need to stay strong in this area, okay? Now, uh, look at Psalm chapter 12, the premise of these thoughts, and then I want to take a look uh, briefly at Psalm 119. Psalm 12, 6 and 7, we have a promise from God's Word, and it says this, The words of the Lord are pure words. What does it say? Pure words, right? And it says, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them. Now, we don't keep them. God keeps them. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt, watch this, preserve them from this generation forever. Turn to Psalm chapter 19. Of course, the great psalm about the Bible. I mentioned two weeks ago when I preached that there's only, I think, two or three verses in Psalm 119, out of 176 verses, 173 have mention of the Bible, meaning the precepts, the concept, the, the testimonies, the commandments, you know, the Word of God. And in Psalm 119, it says in verse 89, follow with me in your Bible, Forever, O Lord, <clears throat> what a promise, thy word is settled in heaven. Amen. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou established the earth, and it abideth. They continue, continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. Unless thy law had been my delights, I then should have perished in mine affliction. I feel that way. Where would I be without the Bible? Where would my life be without the Word of God? Where would my marriage be? Where would my family be? Where would my ministry be uh, apart from my Bible? Uh, the psalmist goes on and says, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. Uh, I am thine, save me, for I have uh, sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. I like this next statement. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all day. Thou through the commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep thy precepts. I refrain my feet, 
from evil way that I might keep thy word. I have not departed from the judgment, thy judgments, for they hast taught me. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Uh, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. The psalmist believed the word. I, I think it's important that the church understand that your pastor believes that this Bible is the word of God. Uh, that may seem trite. That may, that may seem, uh, okay, that, that's, that's a given. It's not a given today. And I don't make any apology for it. I believe that my King James Bible, for, my, for me, is without error. It is the word of God, and I can teach it and preach it to my church as truth, as total truth. The reason I can do that is because the Bible we just read said that God inspired his word. Pastor Williams taught in Sunday school how God breathed life into a human being and he became a living soul. Well, the breath of God is in this book. God breathed. He gave the word. It's important because we have an enemy that has been working since the time of Christ and before to work against the word of God. You do understand that. Turn to Matthew chapter 13, if you would, briefly. Matthew chapter 13. And we have a parable here of our Lord, and he wanted his disciples to get this truth. In Matthew chapter 13, and look at verse 24. We have a little story here from our Lord. Now, parable, the word parable means to throw light against. So the Lord gives these stories that he believes everyone would understand in that day, in that setting, about a scriptural truth. And he says uh, in verse 24 of Matthew 13, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while the men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when, he and when the blade was sprung up, he brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in thy field? From whence them uh, hath these tares? He saith unto them, An enemy hath done this. You know, this idea about the perfection of the Scriptures, the inspiration of the Scriptures, the preservation of the Scriptures, it has been attacked and attacked and attacked and attacked. And the first one was Satan when he said, Yea, hath God said in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he attacked even our Lord in the wilderness as he started his ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, he went into the wilderness to be tempted of, of, of the devil. The Bible said he was sent there in the power of the Spirit. And what did the devil do? He questioned the very Word of God. And folks, things haven't changed. In our day today, the number one attack of Satan upon the church, I believe, is the Word of God. He's not going to let up. He's not going to relinquish that. And you know what? It's worked for him. So many Christians and so many congregations have given in to the fact that there may be something wrong with the Bible. There may be uh, uh, not, not, not so much authority to the Scriptures. But God's Word says, Proverbs 30 and verse 5, Every word of God is pure. And we have to understand that the Bible speaks of itself to be pure over and over. And it'll be pure for all generations. This is a promise of perpetual pureness. For again, the scripture tells us in Psalm 33, 11, he says, the, the counsels of the Lord standeth forever. Psalm 100 and verse 5, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. Psalm 111, 7 through 8, and his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever. Psalm 119, 17, 2, the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. And then we read in Psalm 119, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And we could go to Psalm 119, 152, 160, Isaiah 40, verse 8, Isaiah 59, 21, Matthew's gospel 5 and chapter 24. We could just cite scripture after scripture about the settled word. The promise of God that we can be sure that the Bible is what it claims to be. It is the Holy Bible. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. So Parkview, don't lose that. As new people come in, they need to understand where we stand. And I say to you, if you don't have that same stand, then study to show yourself approved. Get into the scriptures. They will convince you. Now, what this is all based on is God's promise. It's based on the character of God. God said that he would keep and preserve his word. Now, I want you to turn to a few, then we're going to move along quickly. But I want you to turn with me to these. I want you to see it with your own eyes. Turn to Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Please do this. It'll help you. We're only going to look at four here. But I want you to see what is being said. God has promised something. In Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, the scripture says, God is not a man that he should lie. Now understand that. God is not a man that he should lie. God doesn't lie. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 29. 1 Samuel chapter 15 Verse 29. Now these are just statements, but you need to hear them again. 1 Samuel 15, 29. And also the strength of Israel will not lie. Who's that? That's God, the strength of Israel. God will not lie to you. Look what he says in Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, take a look, if you would, at verse... 18. Hebrews 6 and verse 18. Now we'll move on from this, but I think it's, it's foundational for you to understand my thought today. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. That by two immutable things. I mean, this isn't going to change. Nothing's changing here. Two immutable things. In which it was impossible for God to lie. You see that again? God doesn't lie. God cannot lie. And Psalm 89, and there are other, other verses, but I think you, you'll get my point here. Psalm 89, and look, if you would, at verse 35. 89-35. We'll read a few verses here. Listen to what God says. Psalm 89-35 once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie unto David. And then he says, His seed shall endure forever, his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as the faithful witness in heaven. Selah. That word means pause, think about it, take that in. God makes a statement here. He said, I'm not going to lie to David. Folks, when God has told you that he's preserved his word from this generation forever, he has not lied to you. Now, man will lie to you. Men in pulpits will lie to you. Professors in Bible college will lie to people. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Man doesn't lie. So the truth I'm connecting here this morning is God is truthful. He's unchangeable. He's consistent. And I don't care what Bible deniers or schools or self-declared scholars say or try to raise doubt with the Word of God. God's Word is true. It is preserved. It is pure. Get that in your heart. And you say, preacher, we know this. Keep it in your heart. Young people, you're going you're gonna to face people in your life. You're going to go to a Bible college and people will doubt the Word of God. You're going to go somewhere at a job or there's going to be somebody in your sphere of influence that'll question God's word. Get it in your heart now and never lose the truth that God's word is true. And don't listen to any of the debate that it's not. That it's not because men are liars. God is not a liar. The book that I have in my hand tonight, this morning, and I'm standing on this pulpit you have in your lap today, is a miraculous book. It has been preserved by God, and there will be these self-proclaimed experts that say that the preservation and perfection of God's Word is not possible because of human involvement. Yeah, but God is sovereign. 
And God is powerful. And God can oversee his book. And he has for all generations. Say, preacher, we know this. I know you know this. If you've been here any length of time because I preached it and taught it to you, or your parents taught it to you, or some decent Bible preacher taught it to you. Some of you have doubt in that because somebody come in. The enemy has come in and give you a thought that it may not be what it claims to be. That's of Satan. That's what he always tries to do. But God's word tells that we have a pure book. And they will question God's. They will criticize God's book. They will criticize faithful men. You know, years ago I used to work at Ford and I had this bozo that worked with me. He was a quote-unquote Bible scholar. He was a weird dude. But anyway, he, he would come to me quite often. I would win a few souls to the Lord, and they came to this church. Some of them joined this church. Some of them became uh, Sunday school teachers in this church and, and through those working days at Ford years ago. And this guy, he, he, would, he would wait for me to come in a certain pl- part of the plant, and he would, he would start singing a song to me. He'd say, uh, give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. You know, he trained his disciples. To, they would do that to me at work. Because they'd say, it's good enough for Paul and Silas and it's good enough for Steve Brown, they would say. You know, and they used to bug me. But you know what was good? It made me dig. It made me know what I believed. He thought he was giving me trouble, but he was making me stronger. Listen, you're going to have somebody perhaps in your life, I already have, and you will, that will question the validity of the Word of God. And they will mock you. They will belittle you. They'll say, you don't really believe that stuff. Listen, you need to know what you believe and stand upon it no matter what. This Bible is inspired. It is preserved for you and I. Deuteronomy 4.2, the Bible says, You shall not add unto thy, the word which I command you, wherein uh, neither shall you diminish aught from it. Again, in Deuteronomy 12.32, God says, What things soever I command you, observe to do it, that thou shalt not add unto nor diminish from it. The word diminish here means to take away, to abate, to clip. It means to um, withdraw. It means to uh, uh, take from. It means to remove. This jaybird I used to work with, he actually brought me a Bible one day, and he had taken a penknife to it and cut out sections in the Bible, and they were just pages with no verses uh, cut out. It, what, I thought to myself, what an idiot. Why would a man do such a thing? He was trying to cast doubt on my stand on the Bible. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're making an influence in this plant or he wouldn't be bothering you. And I remember how Jehudai took a penknife to God's word and that wasn't good in the scripture so it's not good anybody else to do it. But you listen, when we diminish from God's word, that's what we do. When we doubt the promises of God, that's what we do. Oh my goodness, folks. God has given us a promise a promise of a book that he would keep. And you say, Preacher, there are going to be, there are scriptures sometimes that I read and I don't understand. There, there are questions that people pose sometimes. There are sections of scripture that I, I question. You know what? That's called hum- being human. And I'll tell you something else. God says, My ways are higher than your ways. We're never going to understand everything in the mind of God. But you know when that happens, I'll give you a little bit of advice. It's kind of practical. It's kind of simple. But stay with it. And that's this. I accept the perfection of God's word by faith. There are going to be sometimes you say, well, I don't understand this. You know, these people talk about the word of God has, um, has errors, contradictions. Ask him to show you one. You know? And then if something comes up, then study to show yourself approved to give an answer to that. But most of it's not true. They all cite these many contradictions of the Word of God. No, not many contradictions. There's a few problem texts. Study! And if you still don't get it, trust God. He said He's going to do it. Then I'll tell you something, Ed. When some things don't seem to jive, and it does happen when you're studying your Bible, believe the Bible anyway. Never doubt it. Paul said they're going to be hard things to understand. Paul said this. In 2 Peter 3, 1, also in all his epistles, speaking of the, them of these things in which some things hard to understand. 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. See, that's the problem. Man becomes a judge of God's word rather than lay on their face before God with their Bible and say, God, show me. And God, I still don't get it, but I trust your word because you declared it. Amen? It's by faith. And then there's some other thing. Wait. You know, as I've been saved through the years, I've not known everything. I still don't know everything. My goodness, been saved 45 years. I don't know everything, and you don't either. But it's amazing to me. Sometimes I'll go in a section, and I don't understand this. And I, this, I, 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 in, in preaching, I'll study things. Sometimes I'll, I'll call other brothers of like faith and say, what, what's your position on this? Where do you stand on And there have been those things in my Christian life, and you're going to have them too. But you know, I found this to be true. Oh, after time of waiting and seeking and serving the Lord and trusting Him and having faith, then the Lord shows me. It's like all of a sudden, that's it. We wait on the Lord. And in time, you will come to understand something God wants you to understand when you're mature enough to handle it. When he wants you to understand it. You know, the Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord. And that's what Bible deniers don't get. They figure it's got to come to their reasoning and they got to fit into their puzzle. Not so. God has some secret things. God has some special things. And God will reveal his truth to us when we seek it with all our heart. And if you haven't found it yet, then you trust God. You don't question God. This King James Bible that I preach from, that I have on this pulpit this morning, it is completely trustworthy. I doubt not a, a one part of it because I know it's promised of God. It's divinely promised, given, preserved. And overseen by a holy God. Psalm 119, 140, thy word is very pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. Amen? Now, I want to just rattle off some of these points and we'll be done today. And we'll be done with our focus on the Bible at the beginning of the year. That's good. That's foundational for our church. I don't know when we'll visit it again. That's God's business speaking to my heart. But for right now, this is where God is led. But with this idea that we are to believe the Bible in its claims to what it claims to be, the pure, perfect, trustworthy book, I want us to consider a few things. First thing, consider the wonder of Bible formation. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God gave us these Scriptures. Now, we're very fortunate in the day in which we have the Bible because there were, there were years and years and years where God's people did not have the Bible in a copy. They did not have a book. They did not have a volume. They had the scrolls. They had the scriptures, but they did not have what we... We're so blessed to have a Bible in its entirety. The wonder of its formation. And, and some of this stuff, again, you already know, but, you know, the Bible's divided up in many sections. There's, as Pastor Williams was teaching this morning, there's the Pentateuch, that's the books that God gave to Moses. And, and God, it says these are the words that God gave Moses. The very words of God were given to Moses. And Moses' job was to write them down, to preserve them for his people. There's the historical books. There's the poetic books. There's the prophetic books. Isaiah to Malachi. In the New Testament, we have historical books. We have doctrinal books. We have the epistles. Again, prophetic books connected to the Old Testament, the book of Revelation. So you know all these things. That's wonderful if you know them. But you have to understand that God designed this so that we would have a complete volume of a book. The Bible is a miraculous book. It's like no other book. They're individual books written by individual men. 66 amazing books. 40 different authors. Over 15, 1,600 years of putting this together. All these people from different countries spoke different languages, came from different backgrounds. What an amazing book. It, it's so amazing that we even have it. But we do have it. The writers of the Bible were kings and doctors and herdmen and politicians and theologians and scribes and fishermen. It's just an amazing book. Over 55 generations to put this together. And it all comes together in unity and in harmony. It's just amazing. It's just out and out amazing. It's a miracle book. The only way to explain this is, is this. It's a miracle. 
And man looks at it and says, how can it be? In humanity, it can't be, but God, it is. It's God's book. It's God's word without error because God made it so. It's eternal because he promised it so. So the wonder of Bible formation, that we even have it. The word wonder means wonderful. Then consider the claims of its writers. Exodus 20 and verse 1, very simple statement. This is where we get the 10 so-called commandments. There's more than 10, but... And, and it says here, uh, Exodus 20, verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying... Pastor Williams talked about creation this morning, and God spoke creation into existence. How do you explain... How do you explain creation? God. How do you explain this book? God. God. God used these different writers, but the sole author is God himself. He took these 40 writers and they wrote down the very words that God gave them. There's a word called dictation. God gave the word. You heard over and over some hundred times in Scripture plus where it says, Thus saith the Lord. Hey, that's good enough for me. I know people like the Jehu that used to make fun of me. It's good enough for Paul and Silas. It's good enough for Steve Brown. Yeah, that's right. It's good enough for God. It's good enough for me. Thus saith the Lord. Because God said all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, folks, simple. That takes faith. Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You cannot grow without this book. You can't get saved without this book. That's why we send missionaries out with a copy of the word of God. That's why they need the word of God because being born again, not of corruptly, but by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We got to give people the word. Oh my goodness. It takes faith. You say, preacher, that's a lot of faith. That's right. It's faith. The wonder of its formation, the claims of its writers, the accuracy of the Bible statements. Look at Psalm 119. This is simplistic also, but go home with it today and, and hold it in your heart. Go to Psalm 119, 160. And I'm going to move along and say, oh, preacher, uh, please do. Or we want to go on to something else. But you don't really have... Sometimes I think we don't have a clue of how important it is to believe this book. So January is the month of beginnings and where this is foundational and then we move on. In Psalm 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. I got a question for you here. How many of his righteous judgments endure? What's it say? Every one. How many of God's righteous judgments are going to endure forever? Every one of them. Now, it would be something, really, if you think about it, that if it wasn't all, a hundred would be good. When you consider the volume of this book, a hundred of his righteous judgments be good. Well, 50, 10. What if it was just five that were in doubt? How about two? How about one? One doubt. God says, every one, every one is without error. Now, that doesn't make sense to man, but it makes perfect sense to a, to, to a sovereign God because he spoke the word and gave it. It's all preserved. It's all perfect. It's all kept by my God. Deuteronomy 32, 4, he is a rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are judgment, a God of truth, Without iniquity, just and righteous is he. And again, Titus 1, 2, God that cannot lie. Hebrews 6, 18, for it is impossible for God to lie. Now, God has gave us a promise. We're going to believe it or we don't. Somebody doubts, somebody questions the Bible, just say, hey, God's not a liar. God's not a liar. The progression of the words in Scripture, Proverbs 30, every word of God. There it is again. Every one of them. Then he says every word is pure.
You know, this process whereby God gave us the word, it, it, it took a while. Some 1,600 years, most believe, to give us a settled, complete, perfect body in a bound book. But God had already said that his word is settled in heaven before either we got a copy of it, before a printed page, before it was put down in paper and preserved in a book. It's a miraculous book. I thank God for my Bible. Amen. It's a promise of Bible preservation. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Proverbs, or Isaiah 48, the grass withereth. Listen, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. You know there's a truth of this. Man's going to perish. What man brings about perishes. But God has made an exclusion here. He, he is an exception here. He is, says that the, the grass is going to wither, the flower is going to fade, but the word of God shall stand forever. So we should never doubt that promise. The fulfillment of prophecy after prophecy. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says, Holy men. You know, two-thirds of our Bible is prophetic. And prophecy, by its very nature, has the idea of history written, revealed in advance, or foretold. And only a small segment of the Bible prophecies have been fulfilled even to this day. But they will be fulfilled. Just an example of that is you just look at the life of Christ. We just went through Christmas and we know that the prophecies foretold his birth, Daniel 9.25. That's the time of his birth, the place of his birth, Malachi 5.2. The miracle of his birth, Isaiah 7.14, that a virgin would conceive. His life foretold, his preaching, his miracles, his rejection, his triumphal entry, all foretold. His death was foretold, prophetically Betrayal by a friend, perversion of justice, his crucifixion, the words of the cross. Go to Psalm 22 and read that psalm. It's full of the Bible's description. Listen, hundreds of years before it ever happened. The mocking crowd, the, those that sit and stared at the Son of God as he died. Soldiers casting lot, the terrible suffering of our Lord. Bro, uh, bones not broken, a borrowed tomb. All that was prophesied. And did you understand this about the, about the death of Christ foretold? In a 24-hour period, all of those prophecies were fulfilled? Now, what is the chance of that? It's amazing. His resurrection was foretold. Psalm 16.10, For uh, thou wilt not leave thy soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Well, Jesus didn't see corruption. He rose again from the dead. Bless God. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And that's why you and I have a promise of eternal life. Now, listen, are we going to believe that promise and not another? His ascension foretold. Psalm 110. The Lord saith unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Oh my goodness. All these prophecies and then this morning, as we're drawing to a close, the insistence of Bible message. You know what the great message of the Bible is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed him should not perish but have everlasting life. To question any part of the Bible is to question that truth right there. I'm not going to do it. I believe God loves me. I believe God saved my soul. I believe I am the apple of God's eye. I, oh, I know that's Israel. I know. But it, by application, that's me. Right. I claim it. Amen. Amen. Right. You know, there's only one interpretation of Scripture. I get it. But there's many applications, and I'm hanging on to that one. Amen. God loves me. Any Sunday school kid tell you that? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Amen. How do I know that? Because this book has told me so. Oh, you say, preacher, we believe it. We're with you. Good, I'm glad. Stay with me. Never doubt it. Never question it. Never come off that stand. As an individual Christian, as a marriage, as a family, as a church. You say, preacher, because so many are and so many have. Oh, I'm telling you what. We're losing our churches left and right. We are. And it goes back to this one area, I believe, and all the other things connected to it. The truth of God's word being held in our heart as what it claims to be.
Psalm 68, 11, the Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that publish it. Interesting word publish there. It's not printing press, publish. It means to pass on. It means to carry good news. Just as we're to carry the good news of Jesus Christ that he died and rose, the gospel. Amen. That's the good news. Spread it everywhere. Tell everybody that Jesus died. Amen. He shed his blood to wash away sin debt. If you believe on him, he'll save your soul. You'll have eternal life. Because Jesus died and rose again, you'll rise again too. Good news. Well, there's also another good news. It's called the Bible. It's my job and your job to publish it. To pass it on. To share the belief that God's word is everything it claims to be to another generation, to another individual, to a new convert, to somebody that comes in and they've never been taught these things and they don't understand. Take time. Be patient. Show them that they too can grab a hold of this concept that God's word is never to be doubted. Here's the practical question I have for you. You know, when I was an early Christian, I... I, I, my, my wife gave me a Bible for our first Christmas. It was such a treasure to me that first Christmas. I, I just, you know, I had, a, I had a garage sale copy of the Word of God, you know. I, but to actually get a new Bible for myself, and I was so excited. And boy, I dug in that Bible. And then I had these little New Testaments I used to carry in my back pocket when I went to Ford's, when I went to uh, Southern Binders. I'd carry them. And in that day, it just seemed, Brother Paul, I was always in the Word. I mean, it was lunchtime. I was in the Word. At coffee break, I was in the Word. I was memorizing Scripture because, you know, the Word of God was so alive and so real in my life. And there are so many changes taking place in my life. And I just, the Word of God was a treasure, precious to me. Couldn't get enough of it. I would come to church and my faithful pastor would preach the word of God and I'd sit on the edge of my seat of these pews and I'd take notes and I'd say, that's right, pastor. And I mean, I'd go home and study and I'd come to the office with him and ask questions. I mean, I was in that book. That book was getting in me. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But here's my question. Is that the way it is now? We need to get back to a heartfelt proclamation of the Word of God. Are we adherents to the Word of God or are we not? It says, therefore thy servant loveth it. The nuts and bolts of my sermon this morning is that I love this book. Amen. This book has changed my life. This book has given me. Everything precious. My Christian faith, my marriage, my family, the ministry. Think where you'd be without this book, this book divine. We've got to pass it on to the next generation. Got to. And that's what I'm talking about, the practicality here. We are to, the Lord gave the word and great was the company of them that published it. We've got to publish it. We've got to pass it on. And so in those early days, it was on, it was with me at work. It was in my, in my vehicle, on my desk, in my lunch pail. Amen. I couldn't wait to get into it again. Is it in your purse? Is it in your back pocket? Do you carry the word of God with you everywhere you go? Like you used to. Pastor Williams has been teaching on Wednesday nights and very practical message on on Wednesday night about our cell phone. And I wonder, you know, I got a cell phone. I never bring it to church with me. I don't want to be the pastor where it goes off when I'm preaching. I was at a meeting, a big meeting one day, and a pastor was preaching, and he answered his phone. It rang, and he answered his phone. I thought it was a skit. He said, I'm preaching. I'll call you back. Five minutes later, it rang again. He answered it. He went over here and talked to somebody for like a minute and a half. I could not believe it. I don't want to be that guy. I don't even want it going off. So I don't leave. You know, I find it possible that I could take my phone and put it on the table and my wife and I can talk having supper. As Pastor Williams was teaching. But I want to say that if we would treat our Bible... Like we do our phone. I wonder how strong we'd be in the faith. I mean, 
I don't think anybody in here is without their phone today. You don't go any. And like Pastor William said, if you leave it, you go back and get it. What if we taught, what if we treated the Word of God that way? What if we got it in our purse again, ladies, and in, in, our, in, our, in our pocket, gentlemen? And what if we were in it and 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 it was getting into us, amen? And then we pass it on to our next generation and they were the same type of Christians, Bible-believing Christians. Boy, I think we'd make a, a greater effect on our world today. So in the day that the Bible's being condemned and questioned, God's looking for people that are going to broadcast it. We're going to publish it. I'll say this and I'm done. But God wants something, one more step. It's great to have a King James Bible. It's great to have that stand. But God wants more. He wants you to obey it. I go to preachers' meetings, and this was quite prevalent for a little while. I don't see it much anymore. I don't know why, but there'd be some ministry or some preacher or some group, and and don't get, I'm, I'm please don't get this part wrong. They bring young people with them, and they'd sing and quote scripture, and that's fine. That's that's wonderful. But I'd see some of these fellows bring in their recent convert to the Word of God, and this an old hippie. Hey, everybody's got to have a start. Hippies need to get saved. Drug guys need to get saved. Prostitutes need to get saved. Amen. But then I watched, like for 10 years, these same people come to meetings, and they never changed. It was like exhibit B of my ministry. Look how, look how a man of God I am. Look how a ministry I've got. I'm bringing this person. Same person every year. Looks the same. Never changed. Still in drugs. Still in... And I'm not telling that you need to go and preach to people and witness people. But I want to tell you something. This book changes lives. And so it is quite possible that somebody can make a profession of faith and they don't do much changing their entire life. That bothers me. So if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So let's get out there and give it, but let's not give excuses for people not to grow and not to go on and glorify God. Great was the company of them that published it. Church, let's publish the book. And I know it needs to be printed by local churches. That's good and we support that. But I'm talking about entrusting to others the truth that this book is miraculous. Never doubt it. Never diminish from it. Amen. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to those. I don't care how much scholarship they have. God said his word is true and it's pure. And if anybody messes with it, God says, they're liars. God's not the liar here. So you say, preacher, thank you. We heard that before. We'll go on another few years. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I want to reestablish, reaffirm that this church knows what stands on the Bible. Our young people know their Bible. Their pastor believes the King James Bible is the word of God for us. I want new families to know where our church stands. I'm not making apology. If anything more, I'm digging in deeper. But I know we need the whole counsel of God. And I, don't, I know you don't need a King James Bible message every time you turn around. And I think if you've been with me long enough, you know I have not done that. But for the start of this year, Pastor Williams and I wanted the church to know, hey, this is where we're at. That's why he's doing Old Testament survey, probably do New Testament. Just those practical things that we need to hear again and keep straight and keep sure. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I will be preaching the gospel again. I will be giving you meat that you need to have for your devotional life, your family life. But that's foundational right there. Right there. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this old book. Lord, I just cannot imagine still all these years how you, how you worked it and brought it. Different people, different places, different backgrounds. They, they kept their individuality. They were not robots. But you put it in their heart and they wrote it down and you preserved it for their generation all the way to ours. And Lord, you're going to continue to do that. You promised. You promised forever. 
If there was one cynic here today, one doubter, perhaps, Lord, they'll study more to show themselves approved in this area of trusting their Bible. Bless, Lord, every family, every marriage, every child, every senior citizen of our church. You gave us your word in Revelation 22, verse 7, that you pronounced a blessing to those that kept your word. Please bless Parkview because of our stand for thee and thy word. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.